Women to Talk the Dog, the show where we find a bone to pick and a take to give. These are not hot takes. These is dog takes. Can I talk that dog? Let's shut up and grab some tape. There's definitely something to be said about that. Constantly learning and constantly evolving. When I study them, and I try to, when I study the greatest at what they do, but not just particularly the greatest, the, the sustained greats, the ones that are you know at the top of their industry for an elong, elongated period, extended periods of time, they are never afraid at all, not one bit, afraid of any type of change or any type of altering to their strategies. Boys, I did some research today. Did you know that Twitter, before it was Twitter, was actually a really successful podcast streaming platform called Odeo? Hmm. Bet you didn't. Okay, but what, what, as they were a company called Odeo, they saw this Apple iTunes like podcast department start really ramping up, and they're like, well, there goes our niche. So what did they do? They pivot into this micro-blogging, status-updating type of app or website, a.k.a. Twitter, a.k.a. X. That's what we have. It was all based off of a Twitter or all based off of a pivot, just altering your, your, your strategies just a little bit. We can apply this in business all, tenfold over. There's hundreds of companies that have done just minor tweaking, minor pivots, and then boom, hundreds of millions of dollars. We can see this in business all the time. We see this in sports with greats as well. I think Tiger Woods is the most primary example of a guy or a person or an entity, a company, a corporation at the like absolute top of what they do at the pinnacle of their sport, like Tiger Woods was when he entered. I mean, from day one, you know, 96, he's a rookie, 97, his second year on, on tour, he's winning 25% of his tournaments. Basically, he shows up one out of every four times, he's walking away a winner as an 18, 19-year-old rookie, uh, second-year guy on tour. And then all of a sudden, after two years on tour, he fires his swing coach and hires this guy by the name of Butch Harmon. All right, Butch Harmon's his, his swing coach for a, a, a four-year period that golf's never seen before. A four-year period from 1999 to 2002 where, again, Butch and, and Tiger Woods are running amok across, or, uh, across uh, you know, golf. Tiger Woods was winning 35% of his tour events, 44% of his majors, okay? After winning 25% of his majors and his starts, winning at a clip that golf had never seen, Tiger Woods was like, pfft. Not good enough. Let's go get a new swing coach, all right? And one at an even higher press, unprecedented rate that golf had never seen before. Now, Tiger's a little bit of a, an extreme example. He was a micro tinker to an extreme. He tinkered maybe a little bit too much. But there are countless examples of extremely successful people and business people all around this world that have chosen to tinker while on top. Chosen to continue to evolutionize their, their, their approach while on top. Um, you know who's been a whole hell of a lot calmer during uh, during game days this season? You know who's been a whole hell of a lot calmer on sidelines if you watch him on Saturday? It's been Kirby Smart. I, I had someone text me during the game on Saturday say he was extremely calm during halftime, and little did we know that's exactly what happened. We saw the footage today that went viral um, of his halftime speech, right? Um, I didn't hear but one curse word in that, that entire audio. I don't think I heard a single F-bomb, not one. Not, not a single, uh, you know, piece of excitement, nothing. No, 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 no craziness. Just, hey, we got to go out here, right? Very, almost monotone, very calm, 
right? I went back and watched him on the sidelines today during the TV broadcast, what I could see of him. Extremely calm, right? I see him deal with a first-year kicker who's missed three field goals. Go back and look at those field goals. Hey, right underneath the arm, really, really calm, right? No red-faced Kirby. No, no, we had a bet on the show. How many hot mics are we going to get Kirby this year? We don't have one through three games. Not a single cut to him coming off the sideline of a, of a, of a pissed off Kirby Smart, right? Of a, of a MF and, uh, you know, Kirby Smart. We haven't seen that at all, right? I see him wrapping his arm around Carson Beck, right? His starting quarterback going into the half this past weekend and telling him, hey, whispering in his ear, we believe in you. Right before he goes into delivering a halftime speech that was extremely calm. I see a football coach in Kirby Smart who has perhaps molded his identity towards his football team. A football team that's got a lot of questions, right? And a lot of new faces in new places. But perhaps most importantly, I see a football coach that's perhaps matured and advanced. Advanced is the proper term here. Advanced his approach in this department. In this game day, day of the battle type of environment. He's found, I think, through watching him through the first three games, that it's just as important to have a changeup in your approach as it is to have that fastball. Everyone knows Kirby Smart's got the fastball. We've all heard the pregame and halftime speeches. They are insane when he's out there throwing smoke, okay? But he does have the changeup now. The, the, the attitude and the, the, the tone in which he's delivering things and in which, he, in, in which he's carrying himself on the sideline during game days is completely different. I had a source text me and say it best today when I asked about this, saying, quote, he's still a crazy person, just doing it in a much nicer way. I thought that was a great way of describing what we've seen uh, from the outside. And from an insider's perspective, what we've seen from the outside. The enemy of consistency is complacency. We know this. We've heard about this. But my fear with Georgia's program for the longest time, at least last year and a half, I would say, was that eventually the message would kind of get stale around Kirby Smart. I mean, golly, how often, how long can you keep your foot in the gas, right? How long before things like that become stale? How long before the message becomes stale? But here's the deal. If you're constantly changing the tone of your message, does your message have to change? If you're finding a new way to land upon the, 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 whole, the, 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 final, the finality point, right? If your message doesn't have to change, if your tone does, and watching him through the first three weeks, I think the tone, okay, from Kirby Smart has certainly changed. It's why he's the greatest coach in college football right now, I believe. It's why he's doing things that have never been done in this sport, which is the reality. It's the reality of the Kirby Smart conversation right now. The dude is winning at a clip, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more tonight. The dude is winning at a clip college football has never seen. The guy's done right now already what college football hasn't seen, which is a repeat champion in the college football playoff era welcome into tonight's show we got a loaded one for you hey we got hot off the presser i got some thoughts from dylan fairchild and our guy cash jones today um should florida scare georgia with their win over tennessee tennessee going into this season looking like the most formidable opponent perhaps it's the folks down there in gainesville this year trent dilfer did the opposite of a uh what do you call it bulletin board material quote today kirby smart breaking a record on saturday we presume ohio state's athletic director is still talking and i'm going to lay out my biggest concern everyone has their concerns about the red zone efficiency and the red zone offense 
Don't feel like anyone's actually giving you any answers. I'm going to try to do so at the end of tonight's show, so make sure you stick around. Uh, I want to give a quick shout-out right quick before we bring the boys in to the folks over at Prize Picks. Okay, sign up today using promo code Brooks. You get a 100% deposit match. You guys know what that means. A lot of y'all folks return customers, all right? Y'all stay around here. I see the data. Okay, those of you who, who aren't, go ahead and subscribe. And if you're new, while you're subscribing, run over to Prize Picks. Use promo code Brooks. Get, uh, sign up, get a 100% deposit match today. There's a bunch of slates over there uh you know uh what, what, what is it what, what's the friday the slogan they got over there oh we got flex friday flex friday just a total brain fart right here flex friday is coming up uh thursday night football is tomorrow there's also thursday night college football tomorrow so there's plenty of action over there for you to get involved in over on prize picks uh, also want to throw a quick shout out if you are in the northeast georgia area tomorrow night and ain't got shit to do Come over to Creatures Comforts. We'll be there 6.30 to 8.30 with our first live show as a, as a, uh, a trilogy, if you will. As, as a, th- uh, I was going to say something, something I wasn't supposed to. Um, as, a, as a group, this will be our first one as a group. I've done live shows before. This will be our first one as a group. So make sure you join us and support us out there at Creature Comforts from 6.30 to 8.30 tomorrow. That's Thursday night over there in Athens. Boys, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good, man. How are you doing, though? How are you doing, though? Our our first show is a tripod. I'm doing great, man. I I honestly, uh, you know, I always wonder if I'm going to have enough juice until the lights come on, and then I'm like, let's get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, once you get into that mode. Yeah, that's all I need. I just need a little kick in the ass. Kick in the ass? Just a little kick in the ass. That's Mm -hmm. all. How you you doing today, Kirk? I'm chilling, man. What about you? Well, what was the pregame tunage? You were over there by yourself, off in the corner. Yeah, the AirPods in. You're all all by your lonesome. What was the pregame too? Yeah, I was vibing to some house music today. So when you say house music, is there just like a playlist and it just plays like random beats? I mean, I've got I've got a playlist on Spotify if y'all want to check it out, but that's all. Did you just you just plugged your Spotify? I didn't plug my Spotify. It was like I didn't the give lamest the plug, but a lamest plug, top five lame plug. I didn't say I didn't give the username though, so we're fine. That's true. Um, but no, I, I think I'm doing good. I, I mean, Kirby's got. House music playing in the headphones. We didn't get to Eric Church, uh, you know, uh, doing life with me. No. Show, you know, normally we, I have a pregame playlist that I play kind of not necessarily in order, but I got a couple of hits that I go to every week or every show. Didn't get the chance to do it today. Not because I wasn't, I didn't have time. I just wasn't paying attention. So if tonight's show is terrible, that's why we didn't get to listen to Eric didn't Church. Didn't get the chief in. Yeah, didn't get the chief in. Uh, but it is a great show. We do have a loaded one for you. Make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button, like, subscribe, and rate, review, and all that great stuff. Hey, it's Wednesday, which means I've got thoughts off the presser, hot off the presser. You didn't get them first because I had an opening for you because I do really admire when people who are on the top of what they do continue to evolve. And I think that's really what we're seeing. Would you guys, I didn't even get your thoughts on the opening. Would you guys agree? Man, like, this is a different, not necessarily Monday through Saturday. Right, because we got or Monday through Friday, we've got clips tonight that we're going to show you. Ain't shit changed during practice. Like that's the same general that it's always been. But like the 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 war admiral on Saturday looks, sounds, feels different to me. I've had multiple texts on Saturday about this. The, what I liked about it was how he basically simplified everything, and he like he didn't throw a bunch at them or anything. He basically he was like, "This is what we're going to do. We're going to get six drives, and we're going to score four times, and it's one moment at a time." He just simplified everything, and he had this calm demeanor about himself like you mentioned that's what I admired about it because when you're down 11 points going into halftime I mean that kind of feels like maybe a time to panic where bullets are flying and it's a time to go a little crazy but he didn't he was just I think his players responded to that and they kind of carried themselves the same way yeah yeah I mean 
Curry Smart's always been evolving. If you look at even the way he ran his team in 2017 when they first went to the national title, like look at the offense, look at the defensive schemes. Mm-hmm. It's always been evolving. I think he's now starting to go into evolving about how he goes about delivering his message, whereas it's kind of more understanding, lighthearted, but it's still hard and firm to where you know what's you know what the expectation is more so. Another, I'm, I'm just going back, looking through some things, and this is another key point that stood out to me. Can't have sustained success and be happy if you're pissed at, at, at people all day long. Like, if you're just mad all day long, mm-hmm. and if the environment around the building is that, you know, if I don't perform to standards, I'm going to get yelled at or I'm going to get screamed at or if that's constantly the fear, then it's hard for people to enjoy their, 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 their life and their, their uh, you know, work life, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 I'm always fascinated. Um, I, I, don't, I didn't get to study Saban like this. So I don't know if – I know offensively he evolved. You know, he brought in Lane Kiffin and then brought in Sark and then, you know, brought back – or promoted Sark and then continued with the offensive evolutions there. But, like, I don't – I didn't study him from a leadership perspective, something that I probably should do more often. Because um, this dude's certainly altering everything that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily from a, a, an identity standpoint, but he's tweaking. That's what I talked about. Tweaking from the top is, is something that – um, the, the sustained greats continue to do. Oh, yeah. um, hey, let's give you these thoughts right off the press. We got Dylan Fairchild and Cass Jones today. Um, Fairchild is frightening. Okay, I've seen a lot of frightening dudes in my life. That's <laughs> that's frightening, dude. Um, two time, two timer, two time state champion in wrestling. I think so. Uh, in oh, heavyweight boy. in seven A. So, not to be trifled with, if you will. Uh, speaking of trifle, I think he's got a tribal tat over here. Um, something. He, he's got a half sleeve over here. Uh, nice, luscious beard that's got a cool little, like, he got, like, one of them white strips in his beard already. Oh, like a birthmark. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty dope. Hmm. So he, he's got that thing going on. Um, and to top it all off, 450-pound uh, bencher, which, not to do the thing, 450-pound bench press is not, like, crazy. Okay, there's a bunch of that going around in the football facility, Okay. I, I dabbled. Not the okay? I, I dabbled. All right. Not gonna say the not gonna say the number, but I dabbled. It's not it's not it's not crazy to think an offensive lineman's out here bench pressing four hundred and fifty pounds. A seven hundred pound squat though. A seven hundred pound squat is what Dylan Fairchild's out here rolling around. Cause I had to know, like K- Kirby's always mentioning him as one of the strongest guys on the football team. So I asked, like, hey, if you're one of the strongest, what are we talking about bench squat clean? And he kind of, if y'all go back and watch the video, he kind of like didn't know if he was allowed to answer it. Kind of like looked over and was like, am I, am I good to say this? And he ended up, you know, I'm a 450-pound bencher and a 700-pound squatter. And uh, I'm going to let you know, I put 500 pounds on my back one time and uh, never squatted again. Never heavy squatted again. I did it, squatted it, got it up, got the congrats from all the homies in the weight room, and then it was never again. Put the belt down and just, that's it. You're tired. Retired. Retired from the squat rack. Ain't touched it since. We got one in the in the studio. Never gets touched. That's a strictly bench uh, uh, squat rack right there. Damn shame. Damn shame. What did so, yeah. he say his clean was? He didn't. Mm. He, he passed over the clean, which makes me think uh, maybe he just wasn't. I don't know. I don't know. I, I was not a cleaner. Some, some offensive linemen aren't. But some like here's what I found about football people when it comes to weight room. You either love power cleans yeah. or you hate power cleans. You're either the best yeah. at power cleans or you're just reverse curling as much weight as you possibly can. 
Um, Tate Ratledge, known lover of cleans. He is a, I think he told me, 415-pound cleaner. Nice. At six foot seven, that that's that's bonkers. He told me that, by the way, if there's anybody listening, he told me that while I was a guest on his podcast, not as a as a as a time outside of media availability, because I know reporters are out here getting uh, put on restriction <laughs> for that. Y'all see that the yeah. USC that stuff? US, that USC report that might be a national hour. Uh, getting suspensions. That might be a national hour. Yeah, might talk about that in NBR. Reporters out here getting suspensions, man. That shit's wild. Um, Cash Jones is another example of why Georgia is just a little, they just do things just a little bit different, okay? I asked Cash, Cash was committed to Mex- New Mexico State. I asked, that's a division one, mid-major, full ride, gonna go, you know, much closer to home. New Mexico is much closer to West Texas than anything out here. And then he decommits, all of a sudden decommits. Why? Because the University of Georgia is sniffing around this five foot, 11 and a half, 165 pound dual sport athlete out of Texas that they wanted to PWO. And they were the only big school that ever called at all. Like no, no big school out in Texas even sniffed him, didn't recruit him, didn't evaluate him. And here's Dale McGee at the University of Georgia calling Cashin, which is his, his legal name, by the way, Cashin, Cash Jones to come be a PWO at the University of Georgia. Hold up. Cashin? I, I believe that's That's right. better than just cash. Dude, yeah. Cashin? Yeah. I like Cashin. that. Cashin's better than just He needs to go by that now. Yeah. Um, I believe that's what he said. Mm. But I, it might be Cashin, like with, a, with an E-N, not Cashin, uh-huh. I-N. Hard Either way, we're getting to the bread. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's to me, we talk about the in-state guys. But for them to have been siphoning through the, the scouting board so deep that they found this kid out at Texas that they convinced to PWO here. I mean, there aren't, I don't, I don't know. Again, I'm very uh, uh, ignorant to other programs with regards to the knowledge that I have for Georgia. If you stock, stacked up my knowledge that I have for how Georgia's program worked versus everybody else, it would obviously be like very, very uh, leaning towards my knowledge at the University of Georgia. I don't necessarily know how other businesses conduct themselves in college football with regards to this, but I don't hear it like this. I do not hear it like this. I do not hear about how Alabama's third string running back is a walk on or has climbed up. I don't hear about uh, how Dan Jackson is a starting safety in the national championship game and is a walk on. I don't you know what I'm getting at. Like yeah. this is a football program that recruits at a top five level, top three level to hell with top five. Top three level does Kirby Smart in the University of Georgia. And they got time to be out here siphoning through West Texas walk-ons. A little bit different. A little bit different than other programs right there. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought that was a, a noticeable thing to me. Yeah, it's also very interesting how people seem to put more emphasis on the, quote, misses that you have in recruiting when you have Stetson Bennett, Dan Jackson's, Cash Jones every year, it seems like. No one really <clears throat> talks about that outside of, you know, oh, we man, we really missed Arch this year, or we missed, uh, who's the guy at Bama? Justice, Justice Haynes. Haynes. Yeah, things like that where it's, you know, you're not talking about how you just pulled a walk-on out of yeah. Texas and he's your starting running back right now. Yeah, you're damn glad you have him right now. That's yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Um, speaking of damn glad, I'm damn glad we had Terrence Edwards agree to come on here weekly. I went back and watched that last night. Man's opened with like a four-minute ISO. Cleared the lane. Was, was like, y'all get out. Man. I'm fitting to cook. 
He was so, hey, shouts out to Terrence Edwards, man. Um, absolutely brought the smoke last night. And if you didn't watch that, go back and watch it when we get done with tonight's show. Uh, it was some really, really good stuff. Uh, those are hot off the pressers. Let's talk about this Florida win. Um, is that where we want to go next? Or we want to sure. go? Yeah, let's to, go there. Yeah, let's go there. Um, Florida obviously had a big win at home against Tennessee this past weekend. And I, we, we led the show off with this thought. You look at the schedule, and everybody knows what it is. Everybody's talked about it. Ad nauseum. Y'all know how lack of test-worthy games there are. That's, that's poorly said. Y'all know how bad the schedule is. Y'all get it. Coming into the season, everybody said, Knoxville, November 11th, that looks spooky. Okay? Um, orange puns intended. Okay? That looks like it might be a test. Well, here we are three weeks in, and they just got doggy stomped by Florida on the road. Joe Milton looks hella suspect. Okay, offense looks hella suspect without Jalen Hyatt. Um, defense kind of remains to be what the defense is, which appears to be 30 points per game against submittable opponents or formidable opponents. That's what it's kind of been, okay, for the last two years under Hypo, and it continues to be that. So with that knowledge, Florida might be the biggest game on the schedule, but I'm looking at it from a more macro discussion. Should you be fearful of what Florida could be, right, moving down the road? Um, I will say this. You shouldn't be worried about them beating you right now. You are a much better football team. Um, but Florida, in my opinion, in terms of the divisions currently, now I know they're going away, but even if you look at your school regionally, all right, Florida is the biggest threat to what Georgia's got going on, in my opinion, because Florida has what Tennessee will never have, and that is the proximity to prospects. Florida can go out of their backyard, throw a rock, hit a five-star in the forehead. That's just what it is. The state, of, the state of Florida produces at a much, much higher rate. Tennessee can match whatever Florida has from a recruiting funds basis. We know that. They can do that. But again, proximity matters. Where you are at, where you are at and how many football players per capita your state provides, that is extremely valuable in college football nowadays. If you aren't close to the best players, you have a hard time getting the best players. It's just simple, right? Florida has access to unprecedented, unprecedented talent in this sport. If you don't believe me, look at the player rankings annually. Go on to 24-7 Composite right now. Look at the top 100 players and just count. Count how many of them are from the state of Florida. It's this every year. It's California, Texas, Florida, Georgia. Bing, bang, bong. That's what it is every single year. So being at the state or being at the University of Florida is important. And if you can recruit which by all means, it looks like this dude can do it. If you can survive the losses that you've been uh, kind of handed by the, the situation that you were handed, right? That is uh, the Florida situation under Billy Napier uh, because of what Dan Mullen had it sitting as. Uh, you're going to be all right, and he's all right based off this last win. So what we were waiting on. We were waiting on a big key win that he could hang his hat on and say, we can breathe. The rest of the schedule in the next two years looks really, really rough, but we can breathe. And that was the win this past weekend. Um, by the way, he's recruiting really, really well. He's stacking his class with in-state guys. He's recruiting the state of Florida relatively well. But most importantly, somehow, some way, through the, the kind of dark days of his, his early run at Florida, this dude's recruiting nationally really, really well. Jamonte Waller out of Mississippi. Uh, uh, Xavier, the five-star receiver out of Texas. I'm not even going to try. Phil Same. Phil Same. I'm going to try. Phil Same, Xavier, Phil Same. Sure. Here, let's give it a shot. F-I-L-S-A-I-M-E. Filsame. Fils 
About the same? I don't know. I give up. Xavier, my boy X, five-star receiver out of Texas. DJ Lagway, out of Texas. Amaris Williams, out of North Carolina. Aaron Childs, out of Maryland. He's recruiting South Georgia relatively well as well. This dude's doing what he's supposed to be doing, and he's actually somewhat managing to, to survive through his coaching flaws, which he has, by the way, and I think we've pointed those out. Okay, can't be running eight guys out on the field goal unit. Can't be running two number threes out on the punt return unit. Can't be taking false start and, uh, you know, illegal motion penalties on fourth and short. Can't be doing those things. But all this other stuff is, is pretty good if you look at it moving forward for the University of Florida. Um, and, and, again, I'm not optimistic for Florida's chances this year. But I do like their defense coordinator. We've talked about that a lot on this. I like Austin Armstrong. I like the way he's recruiting. And by the way, we've always talked about it. If your players play hard for you, that's like half the job. Mm -hmm. If you can recruit and your players play hard for you, you've got like 75% of the job. The other stuff is, is a lot of good luck and a lot of consistency. Yeah, I think the fact that Florida has a competent defensive coordinator now is the part that should give yeah. Georgia fans just a little bit of worry. <clears throat> I'm in the same boat as you. I don't think it should necessarily cause any concern for this year when you go down to Jacksonville to play them. But moving on down the road, if Billy Napier can somehow figure out a way to get through 2024 – a lot of high notes maybe with DJ Lagway. You're still building up another really good recruiting class, and you get into like almost another year three with Billy Napier is what it would feel like in 2025. Maybe that's when you kind of start saying, oh. Should we, should we year four him because we knew how bad it was year one? Like we, we knew the deal. We knew the yes. deal. We knew he had to get rid of the Trey Deans, the Brendan yeah. Coxes. The, like we knew the roster had to get basically, I don't know, siphoned through. We mm -hmm. knew. Um now, it was unfortunate that he had a really talented quarterback that he didn't really do much with, but the things are changing now down there. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not saying you need to be fearful of it if you're a Georgia fan, but I'm just saying the obvious. The obvious is that's the state of Florida. There's good football players that come out of there every year, and if, it's, if it doesn't show up in the wins and loss columns, it will on the recruiting trail immediately, L.J. McCray. Right now, you're in a battle with L.J. McCray in Florida, and Florida State, and Miami, and and the state of Florida actually being something in football. When Kirby Smart started really, really running, okay, at the University of Georgia, those schools were down bad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Really, really down bad. So, yeah, of course, a, a school out of the state of Florida being somewhat comparable or, uh, you know, decent is going to be an issue. Yeah, and I, th I think in the long run, Florida should be something that gives you concern just because, like you said, the proximity of the talent, the fact that if you do harness that talent, we've seen what they can be. It'll go like the uh, Urban Meyer era. Yeah. I don't think this year they should scare you. I don't think there's a team in college football that should, quote, scare Georgia. Mm -hmm. But it is concerning to watch these last three games where you come out kind of flat. And, you know, look back at a week ago today where no one was thinking that an 11-point deficit to South Carolina was possible. Yeah. You're more than capable of coming out and playing flat again against Florida in a passion-filled rivalry where anything can happen. So I think that's where the concern should come. But – from a roster-to-roster roster standpoint of should we be, be afraid of Florida now because they beat Tennessee? No. Hell no. I had, a, uh, I had a guy in my mentions the other day say that the Georgia-Florida game should not get moved to a home-and-home home because of the fact that he enjoys using that week as a vacation to travel with the team and spend five days at the beach. And then I looked at his bio to find out that he is a doctor. And uh, I'm here to let you know, Doc, 
we don't all have the opportunity to take five days off and travel with the team. Okay? And uh, I'm going to also let you know, Doc, your home field advantage that everybody's out here always taking shots at would look a whole hell of a lot different on the national landscape if every other year you played Florida at home at 4 o'clock. Okay? Or at 3.30 at home. Or whatever it would be. It'd be 3.30 because they refused to make that a night game. But you get what I'm saying. Okay, the home field advantage and that discussion of what's going on, is Georgia's 92,000, are they loud, where's they rank in college football, that would look a whole hell of a lot different if basically every year you got a, a, what is equivalent to a Notre Dame game. You know what I mean? Like, that would be wild. Y'all would, yeah. would pack the shit out of a Florida, Florida, Florida Georgia, Florida game. City would down, dude. Yeah, it probably would. It would be bad. <laughs> Definitely would. The takes on man on the street would be so hot. Oh. Well, I'm excited for that this week. I was, I was, I was nervous how it would go last week. Um, you know, I'm comfortable doing a lot of things, walking around with a camera down in, in public and just trying to stick a camera in somebody's face is not something that makes me super comfortable. No. Um, but it turned out really, really well, and a lot of people liked it. So are you getting pregame takes this week, or are you still doing postgame? A lot of time this week to do pregame. A lot of time. A lot of time. But, you know, yeah, we'll probably do pregame takes. Go hit up some tailgates. Yeah. Get some grub. Hang out with some people. Well, we're going to bring the wife and kids this week. So, you know, night game, we're going we're gonna to introduce the wife and kids to some Georgia tailgates this weekend. So That's good um, stuff. Yeah, it'll be wholesome. It'll be nice and wholesome. If you see us, make sure you bark in my child's face. Make them cry. I want to see what the Auburn fans have to say on Man on the Street in two weeks. Oh, yeah, that's going to be tasty, but that's in Auburn. I know. You want to do Man on the Street on the road? Why not? Why not? You guys in unison, are y'all going with me? I need a cameraman. Bro, yeah. we got the creds. Oh, that's right. Auburn gave us all creds, didn't Yeah, they? man. Hey, shouts out to them War Eagle Tigers. Should we? Yeah, give them three. I love that. We're going to get the boys up in the box. Y'all yeah. going to see how obnoxious them speakers are up there. Mm. They rattle your, your desk. <gasps> all we do is win, 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 no matter what. Not looking forward to that part. I like that song. T-Pain kind of slaps. No, that's not, I, I'm tired of that song. Yeah, it is kind of overplayed. Um... Trent Dilfer, should we give this sound? I like yeah. this sound. Play this sound. <clears throat> and Trent, you played in a lot of big-time atmospheres like Athens. Um, how do you – I've never played anything like this. I've been oh. to one SEC game. My daughter's being recruited at the University of Alabama, and we went to the Ole Miss-Alabama game. And to this day, I think the Kentucky Derby is the coolest thing I've ever been able to go to, live sports. Uh, I think it's it's better than Super Bowls. An SEC football game at night is way better atmosphere than a Super Bowl. Uh, I think it's the second coolest thing I've ever been to as a as a spectator. So I'm personally really excited about going and and going to an SEC game at night. It's different. I mean, their their slogan is just means more. It's different. It's true. That's a great point from Jay Will over here. The the coaches pull over. Rolled up sleeves, no under tee. No t-shirt. No t-shirt. Just showing the chest pubes. <laughs> Love it. Um, he's not wrong. No. He's not wrong at all. Okay, and here's why. All right, he, he, if you didn't hear it, I don't know how you didn't. We just played it. Um, comparing it to the, uh, an SEC night game to the Super Bowl and saying it's, it's, it's louder and it's more raucous, um, he's not wrong, and here's why. That Super Bowl crowd is super uppity. Dude. Super uppity. All right? Very, very rich folky in that, in that oh, yeah. Super Bowl uh, you know, crowd. And not only that – by nature, not going to be an insane environment because by nature, it's supposed to be uh, split down the half. Like, I, we just talked about a neutral environment. I hate neutral crowds. I don't like them. They're not loud because, one, like, when this defense is on the field, they're loud. That, part, that portion of the stadium's loud. When this team's on the field, that portion of the stadium's loud. Like, by nature, 
92,000 in unison, screaming in one direction, going to be a whole hell of a lot louder than 40 or 42,000 screaming. And then the other 42,000 going, <gasps> you know what I mean? Like, that's just the nature of how these crowds work. So, yeah, he's right. The loudest environments ever in football. And Kirby even said this the other day. He said that NFL teams don't get this type of crowd noise or crowded kind of environment until the playoffs, which they're right, by the way. I'm sure Arrowhead is freaking bonkers. When, when there's a playoff game there, I'm sure it's crazy. I'm sure all these NFL stadiums, except for Mercedes-Benz, because there's just too much shit to do, except for cheer for the Falcons. Go to a Falcons game on Sunday. They ain't doing shit. They're going to Harris Casino. They're going to Chick-fil-A. It's closed on Sunday yet for some reason. Going to the, the Crown stadium. Royale Bar. They're going to the Crown Royale Bar. It's just too much stuff to do in these stadiums nowadays, except for sit in your seat and cheer for your team. But in a college football stadium, the most uncomfortable thing to do is sit down because there's metal seats and yeah. they're not comfortable. Well, it's not even that. You look at the Super Bowl and what is it? It's 45 to 60-year-old like wealthy people Very. that are not even fans. They just want to see the game. They want to be able to say, oh, I went to the Super Bowl. Take 20 to 30-year-old college students and young adults at least and mm-hmm. give them alcohol leading up to it all day. And Love then put it. a night game in front of them where they're all cheering for the school they go to. There's no way that's not the loudest environment. Bro, I saw a dude get kicked out at, before kickoff, like 90 minutes pregame from the student section, two hammered for the 3.30 kick. Oh, yeah, that's oh, what yeah, happens. Yeah, I also saw somebody, as I was walking to man on the street, um, slap sleep on the street, slap laid was out. Was a homeless guy or was nah, he? Nah, dude, mid-40s. Was wife, wife was sitting right next to him waiting on the Uber. Um had the same look on her face that uh, girlfriends have on their face when their boyfriends recognize me. They're like, oh my God, honey, it's that film guy. And then you look at the girlfriend and they're like, why am I dating this guy? So tip for those of you watching me, bro, if you recognize me and you're with your lady, don't stop. Just be like, just give me the nod. And be like, What's up, my guy? Like, That's it. Don't, don't, don't make it a whole thing. Unless we have a camera, then do men on the street with us. And then do men on the street with us. If we got a camera, stop us and we'll make a whole deal out of it. But if you're with your lady, just let it ride. Because you're going to get a look, trust me. Or at least I am. I'm going to get a look of, this is the fat-headed guy that we watch all the time that I'm constantly hearing call people jokers. Um, but no, Trent Dilfer's 100% right. SEC night games. I think crazy. more people go to the Super Bowl for the halftime concert than they do for the game. That's a hot take. Only if Swifty's doing it. She never Could will. you imagine the Super Bowl price ticket for a Swifty? Oh, God. <laughs> No. Was there a hotter ticket? Mm. I don't think so. I don't know. Um, I want to play this Kirby Smart audio. Um, which one are we playing first? The, uh, oh, yeah. This is my favorite. We talked about him molding his strategies and, and altering, like, changing his, his methods. Okay? Uh, ain't shit going to change during practice. Okay? Man's going to be wearing it out. Give me the full audio clip first. Out in the heat. The real leaders come out in the heat. Well, what's the standard over there? Tate, Amarius, am I going through the motion or am I trying to actually get better at something? Is it so hot that we can't compete? Like slow motion out here. Like slow motion. Everybody's tired. Everybody's hot. Everybody's tired. It's hot, coach. It's hot. You ain't got no competitive toughness out here. Wrong mindset. Where's the leadership? It's hot, coach. It's hot. I love sarcastic Kirby, dude. I wish he would give like a fake baby cry and so I could clip that and it would just be the best Kirby Smart meme ever. You could yeah. use it for any scenario and just tap in the Kirby Smart crying. Kirby Smart is definitely an A plus shit talker. 
Oh my god, yes. <laughs> like you could like back in the day, definitely had some mean shit talk. Back in the day, he's got it now. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying like back when he was now. playing. Yeah, yeah. Like I would have loved to see him on the field talking shit. See, I mean, like I was a terrible in-game shit talker. I was just always trying to maybe think about the next play or think about what I was doing or catch my breath. Um, also lost a lot. So you can't really talk shit when you're down 20. That kind of deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could try. Uh, I, I just didn't. I, I was just, and, I, and it was always one of, the, one of those classic things where you think about the best thing to say afterwards. Yeah. You know? Shower um, after the game. Like, yeah, no, I wouldn't <gasps> say shower after the game. Maybe just like in the locker after the game because you're not thinking about anything mm-hmm. other than, you know, the moments you could have gotten a dub on the shit talking. But because you wasn't going to get a dub on the scoreboard. <laughs> not where I was at. Um, but no, he was an elite shit talker. Give me the give me the it's hot coach. I love this right here. I just want to play it over and over again. Let's see if I find it. Do you got it? I'm out here. here. Like slow motion. Everybody's tired. Everybody's hot. Everybody's tired. It's hot, coach. It's hot. It's hot, coach. Oh man, sarcastic Kirby is an elite, elite uh soundbite. What else we got tonight, boys? Hmm. You I know want to we talk about your biggest these. concern with the red oh, zone? Yeah, dude. This is a, this is a, an obvious one that I'm shocked. I'm stunned. Nobody's talked about. So we have. I tweeted about today. What is the number one key to success in red zone offense? Do you guys know? Running it's, the ball. It's running the football, yeah, running the football. Right. It's running the football. But do you know what happens when you get up into the red zone? A lot of teams play cover one, right? Yeah. A lot of teams play even cover zero. They dedicate a whole bunch of bodies to the box. Okay. So now we, we talk about plus counts in the box, right? Where the defense has more bodies than we do people to block. So when you're in plus counts and you don't have a real rushing threat at the quarterback position, you get in real trouble and that box becomes even tighter. So how many times in the last several years did we see Stetson pull the ball in the red zone and run in and scamper in for a touchdown? Okay, dozens, dozens of times did we see that happen. So. If we can't account for the plus one hat in the box via the quarterback, then we're constantly going to be playing in detrimental boxes and, and running into heavy counts, which means running backs have to make extra plays or we have to get somebody caught up in the wash and block an extra hat as an offensive line. It, it, it just came to me like a, there it is. It came to like obvious, you would think. And it's the simplest analysis, and I don't think anyone's really landed upon it. Hmm. Have you heard it anywhere? No, no, not not really. I mean, simple as can be. Add a, add a hat. Okay, you got to get back to a net neutral count, and the only way to do it is to pull the ball as a quarterback. Do you change your personnel then and put Brock Vandergriff in just to even say keep that DN honest? You know, this is funny that you say this. You know who's doing this? Auburn. Auburn. Yeah. Every time With they Ashford. get down in the red zone, Robbie Ashford comes out. And the first week, I'm like, what a goofy, what a goofy. No, that's what he's doing. He's trying to even the count. He's trying to even the count in the run game by taking Peyton Thornton out and putting uh, the other quarterback Robbie in. Robbie Ashford. Yep. Robbie Ashford. I don't know why I want to keep calling him Robbie Galloway. Robbie, I don't know either. Yeah, Robbie I Ashford. Didn't they have Robbie a Galloway Ashford. at quarterback like a few years ago? I feel I like they did. So. But no, I mean. Auburn he, always has very generic quarterback names. Mm-hmm. Like, like Jared. TJ Flynn. Yeah. Jared Stidham. Bo. Like, what I don't know. Bo Nix is kind of unique. Yeah. Bo is not a unique name. Bo is not, but Bo Nix. Nick, Bo Nix. Nick Marshall. Very, very very common. Like, the only one I can think of that's not super generic is Cam Newton. Jason Campbell. Yeah, like, what the hell? Very generic. 
trying to think of some more. There's, there's uh, they had. Plenty. It's not a great, not a great list of all in quarterbacks. No, they, no. they had a guy. Cam Newton's a unique name, mm-hmm. and ironically, he's the best. Yeah. By uh, not ironically, I, I'm almost positive they had a guy named Sean White for a while. Yes, yes, yes they, they did. did. Yeah, they did. Like, absolutely what? did. Sean White, not the surfer. No, the snowboarder. <laughs> nah, they're both on a thing. They do the flips and the twists. It's just frozen water. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kirby Smart's going to break a record this week. Do we want to talk about that? Yeah. Give uh, me the stats on that, Jay Will. Kirby Smart, after a win on Saturday, will have the highest win percentage through 100 games in SEC history. By a right? singular game, right? By a singular game. Over Saban? Yep. That's pretty nuts. Yeah, when you consider the amount of really, really freaking good head coaches that have come through the SEC – that's very impressive. And to do it specifically in this era of college football, I think is even more impressive. It's his 86th win? Saturday. I think it'll be his, that. I think, I think he'll be 85 and 15 if he wins. So he's winning 85% of his football games right now? That's nuts. Yeah. That's a lot of winning. Yeah. Um, it's even crazier when you think of two years ago, it was the – Kirby Smart and Mark Rick comparison Oof. to where, oh, these guys are the exact same. Kirby Smart's just Mark Rick 2.0. And now, wait a minute, he's better than Nick Saban? So it is funny to see the progression of that. According to Wiki, it'll be the 85th. Yeah. Because right, he, he has 15 total losses. I want to give a quick film shout-out to somebody who I think is playing phenomenally right now, uh, and it's Kristen Miller. If you were over on patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin this morning, you would have gotten to watch our defensive film breakdown. And, dude – Kristen is playing as good run defense uh, as I've seen at that defensive tackle position in quite a minute. Um, Warren Brinson, we've been telling you, is super disruptive. That remains. He has a he has an immediate like. I'm not saying he's Jalen Carter. Don't do this. But if he were like an equate version of Jalen, I wouldn't be surprised because it, there was something about Jalen's ability to just put his hand on you and you just move differently than other people. It wasn't like a, wow, his first step's amazing or look at all that twitch and that athlete. I didn't see a ton of that in Jalen, but I saw, holy shit, he's got just uncommon, like, silverback strength, like nuts. As soon as he touches you, you just fly. Hand I of see God. This, uh, yeah, hand of God. I see the same kind of thing um, from Warren, just not to that extreme. Warren's playing really, really well right now. Just got to learn how to finish. Um, also thought it was interesting how they immediately started to provide help from snap one, not even provide help. They, they like just destined help immediately to the Leggett kid, um, over Dalen Everett's end. Also noticed how quickly South Carolina went to that, um, in terms of, Hey, let's just hunt six right quick when we need to. Um, you, you can tell, you can tell that David Daniel Sisavon moves like he's not confident in what he's doing yet. But don't freak out, okay? Here's, here's why. At that safety position, I watched Chris Smith do this. I watched uh, not necessarily Malachi because he was so athletically gifted and superior that he just got his he got it cleaned up. He just found his way into the right spots. But you see it with these safeties, okay? It takes five, four or five games before they're comfortable, okay? I remember people taking shots at Dan Jackson on Twitter, only not only because of the way he looks, but the way he was playing. All right, at that and safety had, position. And he had number 47. And he had number 47. Again, the way he looks, I understand. But it took him. And then all of a sudden, like, hey, weeks four and five, guess who started showing up in the alley and striking and hitting folks? And you're like, oh, damn, that guy's really, really fast. 47. Okay, so just give 14 some time uh, to get comfortable and, and get used to the speed of play because it is something different, man. It is something different. And, and I can see it. 
I can see it catching up and playing a little faster. If there's one thing I would say I put infinite trust in, it's Kirby Smart's mm-hmm. ability to develop defensive players. And very rarely does someone walk on, not literally walk on, but come onto the field and they make an impact immediately in their first start. Malachi yeah. Starks is a rarity. I mean, he had the interception in the Oregon game. He was good from the word go. You don't always see that. Richard LeCount took a year to start. Uh, J.R. Reed wasn't in the Oh, God. How many double moves did Richie get beat on? A lot. A Richie lot. got cooked on double moves over and over and over again for, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, 12 months? Yeah, I mean, Lewis Seen got – Like, if you go back and watch Good that call. 2018 Sugar Bowl against Texas, mm-hmm. he looked bad. Yeah. So, I mean, th- it takes a while for safeties to develop. I think – with the way the injuries have played out right now, you kind of hope for it to happen a little quicker before you start playing really, really good offenses. But other than that, I'm not worried that by the end – I, I truly believe that by the end of the year, whoever's on the secondary right now is going to be vastly improved. All right, I'm going to take a quick second right here and scroll through the chat. We're going to spend five minutes right here on the chat. So if you got any questions, go ahead and get them. All right, so like this one right here, Stick D's asking in the chat, can Carson run and secure the ball in that scenario? Talking about adding the quarterback into the run game right there is Stick D's. Love the boy Stick. Um, stick but D's yeah. what? Yeah, <laughs> you've been really heavy-handed the last two nights, man. Um, anyways, so he's – yeah, he can protect the football. Protecting the football is something we just got to coach up and we got to get better at as we do it more and more and as we have more opportunities to do so. Um, some shouts-out to C.J. Allen in the chat. Some shouts-out to Darius – uh, Smith in the chat as well. Uh, Darius Smith's been crazy, crazy uh, athletic since he's got on campus. Y'all know that guy's a sub 50 second 400 meter runner. Um, what? Jeez. Yeah, Dude. he runs. He runs a quarter mile in under 50 seconds. That's insane. I think he ran 48.5 uh, his senior year of high school in track at six foot five, 225 pounds. Yeah, I was proud to break a minute on my 400. Yeah. Um, an absolute freak of a human being is Darius Smith. C.J. Allen is, I, I mean, Xavier provides so much from a third and long perspective of ability to rush the passer, but C.J. has very clearly been the best in-the-box third backer. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. when they need guys to play on first and second down, he's the one spilling those guys. He's the one giving, uh, you know, smile and giving JDJ some breathers, or as we call them around here, pop. That's 10 push-ups for your boy. Um, anyways, but CJ's been the guy that they've been replacing and giving breathers for from first to second down, which tells you what they think that kid can do um, immediately. Like, you're, you're, you're playing as a freshman at that position. You're reading your keys correctly. Like, you're doing the right thing, and that's the hardest thing to do in this defense, to be in the right spot. It's absolutely the hardest thing to do. So, shouts out to him. Um, There's one that says, do you think Bobo's holding back on offense until a big game? Do you want to go on that? Because I, I have a theory on that one. I See, I don't, I don't necessarily believe in this. Because coordinating is not, to me, I, the more and more I study it, offensive coordinating is not about whether or not you can design good plays. I could say, if, if you made my job play designing, I could sit in here, and that's all, if that's all I did, I could sit in here and I could, I could design as good of a playbook as anybody in the world because I would just steal from everybody. That's what coordinating is. That's what play, coaching is. Coaching is taking what you like and making it yours, all right? So I would go through all the playbooks in the world, and I would steal all of it, all right? It's not about play designing. For me, 
Coordinating is play calling, when, when to call things, why you are calling things. I'm going to do this over and over and over again. Why? Because I want to force the defense to respond this way so I can smack their ass over here doing this. That's what coordinating is. So I don't even know what the original question was, but I don't see – we don't hold back, all right, because concepts are concepts. All right, if I show a, if I show a field fade once, it's, it's, it's in there. It's in there forever. You can call it whenever. It's, it's about when you call. It's about how you call. It's about designing it up and making it sure that it's going to hit. That's coordinating to me. It's not – we don't want to show trick plays. We don't want to show extra sauce. We don't want to show a hidden motion. Those are things we don't want to show. But pure basic explosive concepts should be in the playbook, period, point blank. And I'll be honest, through the first two weeks, I've seen them. They're there. But the execution it's of them execu- has not been there It's yet. execution. And, I mean, even hiding trick plays, quote-unquote, Yeah, they ran a flea flicker with Dominic Lovett against Correct. South Carolina. So it's not like Mike Bubb was, like, tucking away the secret plays or he hasn't fully opened the playbook. That's that's the common analysis on Twitter where, oh, Mike Bubb is only working with a half of his playbook right now. It's not that. It's the fact that they haven't executed properly. And I think you have to keep running certain plays where it's like – you watch another uh, another counter or power, and people are like, oh, my God, why are we running up the middle? We got to throw it more. It's not that. It's just you're not executing it properly. Correct. We talk about doing your 111th on this network all the time. Football is fascinating because all it takes is one guy to lose their battle. That's it. One guy to lose your battle. And if somebody else doesn't pick that guy up by winning their job multiple, uh, you might end up losing that rep. Uh, let's, let's tackle a couple of these more questions. Uh, let's see here. Can a healthy Jackson Meeks come in and make some plays in key moments similar to Kiaris? Um, Jackson's in a tough spot because he does a lot of the same things or, you know, maybe not as well, but he does a lot of the things that a guy like Ra-Ra does and a guy like Marcus Rossini Jack Saint does, okay? So when we're that third guy at that position, it's really hard for us to get run. Um, I think the spark that you're looking for offensively out of the wide receiver position is going to come out of Ra-Ra Thomas over the next couple of weeks. I really do. I think if you're listening and you're reading the tea leaves coming out of that building um, and out of reports and out of shows like this, hey, guys, Ra-Ra Thomas finally knows the playbook, okay? And that's kind of valuable. It's kind of valuable to being an asset in an offense, um, and I think you're going to see more and more of that. Answer uh, um, Billy's question because this is perfect because I tweeted this stat this morning. What is it. Billy's question? Billy the Kid says, do we need to play with tempo to increase possessions? We have to maximize the talent gap. So I actually did the research on this, as we said yesterday. And here are the stats on possessions and overall plays that Georgia has ran through the first two weeks. Through, the, through three games, UJ is averaging 11.3 possessions per game. For context, Georgia averaged 10.6 possessions through the first three games in 2022. UJ is also averaging 70 offensive plays per game this year. They averaged 69.9, nice, through 15 games in 2022. Um, love it. It's a tremendous stat. Um, didn't quite read it because I was reading Marion Campbell's comment in the chat about uh, Nico Yamalavea. Yamalavea? I don't know. Dude. We're going to have to learn that one. Nico. Um, Nico. Should someone around here be in charge of names because it damn sure shouldn't be me, Bullard. You know what I mean? <laughs> Someone around here should make sure we are phonetically pronouncing names correctly. Mm. And it can't be me. Because, again, bullard. You know what I mean? We'll get on that. We'll get, we got you. I mean, nobody jumping at the stick there. Nah. You know. I'll do it. Jay you know. will, I'll be a man. Jay will do it. Oh, boy. Stats and phonetical pronunciation. I got you. That's my guy right there. Um, let's answer this question, though. Do you think the Vols will have to try out their freshman quarterback by the UGA game? If so, 
will he be better than Milton? Uh, he going to make me hold my breath a lot more than Milton. Because here's the deal. Uh, I know Joe Milton has immense arm talent. What I don't know is whether or not he can see people and hit them. Um, and that's kind of playing quarterback. I watched Nico come in there against Virginia. And, I mean, first career drive, walks down, scores a touchdown. So they're doing something a little bit right um, there. Uh, the chat the chat getting after the name? Is that what you're laughing at? Um, that's some good stuff going on in the chat right there. Nico, I'm leaving without beating Georgia. Um, <laughs> love a good play on words. Love a good play on words. Uh, no, I think there is a, a really good, strong possibility that they go to him by that game. Uh, but we have a segment coming up on NBR about it. Um, and I don't think they're ready to do it yet. It sounds like the, the, the staff is going back and forth with the defense of him. All I hear is Beck ain't it. We have better on the bench. I just don't think Smart would let them sit, if so, thoughts. Um, this is the funniest thing about you guys as a fan base to me. Uh, your favorite player has always been the backup quarterback. <laughs> it's always been the backup quarterback. You had a fifth-year senior win a goddamn national title for your football program, and by the way, played phenomenally in the fourth quarter. Played phenomenally in the fourth quarter in almost, 2021. Almost literally perfectly in the fourth yes. quarter. Yes, played phenomenally. Won you a national title after all of the m momentum in the world after that fumble was in Alabama's hands, and they come back, win a national title. He decides to come back, and the first thing y'all want to do is go, what the fuck? We're going to really start this sixth-year senior Man, he's really costing us the, 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 the glorious years of Carson Beck or maybe potentially Brock Vandergriff. The guy wins another national title, okay? And now Kirby, after standing by him for 30 starts, I mean, how, how many times was Kirby asked about JT Daniels during 2021? Oh, pretty every, much every, every week. Every press. Every week he was asked about him. And y'all did it, and y'all did it, and y'all did it. Y'all questioned, y'all questioned, y'all questioned, y'all questioned. All the way up to the Orange Bowl. There were articles about the Orange Bowl. Go read it. Should JT Daniels start for Georgia after Georgia and Stetson Bennett lost 33-18 to to Alabama in the SEC Championship game? Y'all did it over and over and over again. And you'd think you'd learn. You'd think you would. After he stood at the podium and said, best chance to win, best chance to win, best chance to win. I'm happy with the way he played. Actually, I think he's playing phenomenal. I think he's processing information. I think he's doing it all. Over and over again. Over and 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 over again. People like me. People like me stand in front of the board, and we give it to you. I give it to you for 35, 45 minutes every single week. I explain to you what he is reading. I go through the processes, and I show you. And people still out here doing it. It never fails. It never fails to amaze me how the best – I wish Kirby would do what Drink did this past week. Mm. I wish he would. I wish, I wish Kirby Smart would come out in front of a microphone and in front of cameras and say that it pisses him off that the fan base doesn't get behind and rally behind his quarterback. I wish he would, because I think it would change. I think it would. I think you guys would start buying Carson Beck jerseys. The funniest thing about it is that all these people turning on Carson Beck were the ones that were demanding he starts over the last two years. Yeah. Where's Carson Beck? Carson Beck has a better arm. Carson Beck gives us a better chance to win. Now that he's starting, it's like, well, let's see what Brock Vandegrift can do. I, I don't really believe Carson Beck. He's not the answer for three games. It's, it's weird. I guess it's like this everywhere if you're not playing like a Heisman candidate. If you're not playing like a Heisman candidate, you got to go. Then it was um, a Heisman candidate, though. No, but it wasn't, it wasn't enough, you know. It, it, it just wasn't enough. It's never enough. It'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. Two titles. Uh, that's the crazy thing. The decision-making is still questioned. That's wild to me. Yeah. 
That's wild to me that two titles, but you'd have more if you started Justin Fields. Yeah, who, by the way, just blamed his coaching for him not being able to see two wide-ass open dudes running right down the field wearing bright fucking orange. Wearing bright orange in that Chicago game. Can't see nobody. Hey, we got another loaded hour coming up for you in just a couple of minutes. NBR, nothing but rants. It's a great one. Hope to see you there. Love you.